Hello and welcome to episode 7 of They Arrived as Aztecs, our Aston Villa Women podcast. As always, I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined by Mark. Hey, what's going on guys? Mark Jarobi here. You can find me on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. It's wonderful to be back and talk about the women. There's been a couple things we missed the past couple weeks, but we're back to put it all together. Uh, what, what do you got for us, Regan? What are we kicking off with? Well, yeah, we've got we've got quite a lot to discuss. Um, obviously, more winning ways for the Aston Villa women. Uh, some new signings, both on and off the pitch, and a, a bit of a weather update. Uh, as as one game was uh, abandoned due to the latest storm to hit English shores or British shores, should I say? Um, but we'll start off with uh, Christian Perslow and company finally securing their off the field leader. Um, I know that they were looking for someone similar um, or like a similar kind of role in the summer as a head of women's football, um, but they've kind of moved away from this and um, arriving is Enia Luco, the um, former Chelsea and Juventus forward. She's also played for Birmingham City. Um you know she's she's England international or former England international, and she she you know she's got pedigree in the women's game. Uh, what do you think about Eniola's arrival? I, I'm really excited about it. Is just on the uh, the basis of the Aston Villa women trying to get back to a place of of almost like dominance. So bringing in kind of experienced people that have been around the game that know exactly you know what the game's all about. Again, I mean Aluka has been around the block. It's not like this is just someone who is really really you know good at in the England setup or she like in and out of the England setup, things like that. This is someone who actually knows the game in and out, knows what to look for, knows how to inspire people. So I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, I, I saw some people talking about the fact that she's just coming from Juventus in a playing role, but she actually played really, really well at Juventus. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, it, I, it might even be one of those things where you might see her on the practice pitch, you know, for, you know, just, you know, out there training, kicking ball around, you know, talking to the girls a little bit, but I, I think it's wonderful. What do you think about the inclusion? Well, yeah, you know, as we've mentioned, she's played across three different countries and each of those offer their own kind of enigmatic style of football. Um, you know, it's, it's it's bound to offer levels of experience that, that you know, Gemma Davis, for, for example, might not have experienced. And she's amassed over a century of appearances for the English national team. And as well as that, she's been a bit of a pioneer in moving the game forward. You know, she was the first female pundit to appear on Match of the Day in 2014. Um, and in 2016 was the first female athlete to sign a multi-year deal with Under Armour. Uh, as well as that, you know, 71 domestic goals uh, in her career. And a, a huge amount of accolades to her name, you know. It, it's it's not something that can be overlooked, really. You know, when when she uh, arrived at the club, you know that the, there was a lot of people saying this is a bit of a coup. You know, um, 
you, you really can't look at that and, and be unhappy with the arrival of Luca. Yeah, I saw that from a lot of people as well, saying that they're even actually alluding to the fact that this might be like a step back for her, and they thought that maybe she would go to a Chelsea or an Arsenal, one of the one of the higher end Super League teams. But I mean, I, th- I think it says a lot about what Aston Villa are doing. I think it shows a lot about their intent and how they see this uh, this women's side moving forward. So I. I I don't see any negative in it whatsoever. And you're right. If anything, it is a, a pretty massive coup for Villa. Um, I, I also think that um, it, it doesn't just uh, things like this, you know, you, you appoint someone to a position and that's great and everything, but like you have to appoint the right person and, and someone with the accolades and someone with the pedigree. When, when you make that sort of uh, definitive statement by putting them into a role of, of position, that's a massive, it's, it sends a massive, massive thing to your players to let them know that like, Hey, we mean business. And we want, we want you here for the ride. And you know, this, this is, this is all a combination of what we're trying to do. Of course. And she, she's local as well. You know, she was she was born... I don't know if she was born in Birmingham, but she was certainly raised in Birmingham. Um, so she knows what it's like to be, you know, a, a local girl, um, much like Gemma Davis and a lot of the, a lot of the squad. Uh, and she... You know, she she said when she arrived that she wanted to kind of inspire or help to inspire, you know, young girls coming through the um, the regional talent centre, and that, that's certainly something that is going to help. You know, if they can see that uh, that uh, someone has gone from you know being a girl playing football to a woman playing international level football and some of the biggest and for the some of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, if you're 12 years old and looking up and thinking, wow, you know, look how experienced Daniela Aluko is, it's bound to help push um, not only the women's game locally, but also the, the kind of recruitment of, of young, talented women's footballers for Villa. Uh, you know, it, think, think of Jack Grealish for the men's team. You know, he would have grown up watching the likes of you know, Dion Dublin and Gareth Barry and, and thought, Wow, you know, I can't wait to be like this, and you know, you can't really compare Gareth Barry um, whilst he was playing for Villa to Aluko and her career because Aluko generally is the more—I um, can't think of the word I'm looking for. Uh, she, she's achieved more, you know, she's won more in her in her field, but at the same time, you know, there's a similar kind of inspiration that that can be taken from them. Yeah, and you got to think about on other levels as well for parents of these young girls that that may be looking up to um, to this new generation of, of female footballers. No matter where you are in the world, you know there there are still women who have a massive, massive uh, depth of understanding about this game. So you get these young girls that maybe want to do this, and maybe even like their mothers are fans of Aluko and other types uh, types of women. And again, it can be anywhere in the world; it doesn't have to just be the U.S. or just be England. Um, so to, to have somebody like that in the fold at Aston Villa, it might be like you know pretty cool for like a mother looking at. Her daughter and and you know the daughter expresses interest in the game and she's like oh yeah well that's one of my heroes over there you know that's that's a luca and she did this and she did that and she played for this team and she played for that team she scored this goal i remember it's all beautiful things i just i'm so happy that it's actually starting to culminate into something tangible for the aston villa women they're playing really well on the pitch and they're doing the right things off the pitch as well yeah and talking of you know doing things right on the pitch they picked up another win against charlton um, you know, as they edge closer to the the end of the FA Women's Championship Championship season undefeated, and you know they started well, thanks in part to a thirty two second goal from Sharnia Hales, and Hales now has nine goals this season, with three coming in the last two fixtures alone. We've spoke about Sharnia before, and 
you know, we, we were talking about how how good of a super sub she was, but we've seen more often than not in recent games that she's actually starting games or getting more of a look in. And it's really important that she's kind of come to the fore and um, started, you know, you know, taking games by the skin of the neck kind of thing. She's scoring more. And Melissa Johnson started the season so, so well. But to have Shawnee Hales as an option from the bench or to have her start in a game and still not be worried about where the goals are going to be coming from, that's really important for, for you know, the, the progression of Aston Villa women throughout this season. Oh, it has to be a massive weight off the shoulders of of not only Gemma Davies but also uh, the rest of her teammates. Look, and like we we know what Shawnee Hells is about, and we know that she can score goals. And yeah, it was unfortunate maybe for her personally uh, at the beginning of the season with Melissa Johnson banging goals in for fun. I mean, there's there's no denying the fact that Melissa Johnson was in an incredible, incredible form. Um, you know, it kind of you know died off a little bit, and that's okay. You'll have that. You'll have ebbs and flows. You know, throughout a football season. But to have Hales come in now, and you know, she's scoring these goals. She's got what was it? Three in her last two games, uh, you know, nine goals on the season. She did it from a super sub capacity. She's now doing it as a starter. It's a great thing for the women, especially when you're starting to get into that point of the season where you really, really have to push for results and make sure the teams that are underneath you aren't catching up in the pack. So I, I think it's great for Shawnee. I'm, I'm really happy for her. I'm really proud of her. I, th- I, I really do think that, that she's in a, a much more important part of the squad than maybe a lot of people would think. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, she was signed. Um, I- I'm trying to think how old she is. I think she's 21. Uh, she might actually be younger than that. She might be 2019. Um, but she's she she was signed initially. You you know you would think to be a backup, but the fact that she can you know come into the squad, uh, whether it's obviously as a sub or whether she started, and and kind of have such an impact on the game. That's that's really important. Yeah, it's massively important. You need that. I mean, Gemma Davies talked about it even after this uh, specific game against Charlton. That it, it's it's twenty one players, you know, and they all have to be together and they all have to know what's going on. They they fight for each other. They believe in each other. It's a very important thing in any team sport. It's even more so when you're your team that's ex- aspiring to get promoted and get up to the heights of uh, of their professional league. So I, I, it's it's a great thing. I think there's a lot of unsung heroes in this squad, but it doesn't at times it doesn't seem like they're very un, unsung because they're all chip and in at certain parts even if it's a small little thing maybe like a tackle you know to save a goal scoring opportunity or a clearance I mean th- these are very small um, actions and everything like that but it actually just adds to the to the massive part of it being a successful side now quick starts are always really important in whatever sport that you're you're playing um, but perhaps even more so in you know, women's football. And more often than not this season, it seems like Aston Villa women really like to get a hold of the game quite early. Do you think this is part of Gemma Davies' game plan or, or just, you know, they're trying to show their dominance and it's just something that happens? Uh, for me personally, I think it's a little bit in between. I think that, you know, it's the game plan there to get off on the right foot and, and you know, give it your best shot as soon as you get out there. Don't have to grow into the game at all. And on the other, uh, on the flip side of that coin, I also think that these players are just incredibly determined. I, I think that uh, especially, you know, this part of the season, maybe about a month previously as well, I think it really started to hit them how good they actually are. And you can almost see it as almost a confidence kind of thing. And it's not like a boisterous confidence. It's not over-exaggerating or anything like that. It's just this quiet confidence you see these players just go about their business so I think coming out the blocks with a little bit of speed and a little bit of determination to get you know to 
to get a, a stranglehold on the game as soon as possible. I, I again, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both, but it's it definitely can't be something where the you know the opposition that come up against the Aston Villa women are like, oh yeah, you know they're not they're not going to come out. It's going to take them a while to grow into the game. You know that's a big mental thing for the opposition. If they know you're coming out on the front foot, they might be a little bit scared. They might be a little bit tentative. You might knock them off their own game plan. So I think in both cases, it's it's nothing but positives for this team right now. It was quite similar in the start of the second half as well, um, you know, which saw Aston Villa fly out of the blocks and almost pick up a very early goal once again. Jody Hutton sped down the left-hand side before drilling a low cross into the box, which was just deflected past the post off of a Charlton defender. Hutton's been sidelined with injury this season. You know, she missed she missed the last game of, of pre-season and you know a good couple of months in this season, but she's still having a massive part to play you know she's she's not necessarily the um the focal point of the side that she was last season but she's young she's learning and and she's growing with this side and you know you, you don't necessarily expect a player to come back from injury and necessarily light the league on fire but i think she's doing relatively well what do you think about what hutton's had to contribute this season I think she's done really well, and I I think that the the injury she had isn't something you just get over you know very quickly. It's something that there takes a little bit of rehab. And we've talked about it on previous podcasts before that she hasn't really been injured very much at all. So when you do get the case of you know uh, last season successes, then all of a sudden the new season's about to start, you get a little bit of an injury. It's it's not really like I don't want to say it's a super it was a nasty injury, but it was one that you know you have to be really really careful with. So I I think she has a lot more to contribute. Um, I think she probably wants to do that. It's just again you're in a side that have a lot of class a lot of quality um i think she's doing absolutely fine i think she would say the same thing i mean i mean I mean, we've seen how Jody is as a person through interviews and stuff. She doesn't rest on her laurel. She's always trying to be better. Um, but I think with this collection of team, with where they are right now in the league, and they're, they're trying to you know get promoted, they have a five-point gap on uh, Durham, who's right underneath them on the table. So I think now it's just a matter of just pressing on, keep doing what you're doing, try to get better through training and whatnot. But, I mean, I love watching Jody Hutton play. I say it all the time. She's, she's probably one of my favorite players on, on the team as a whole. So, yeah, I, I think she's she's been pretty pretty good this season considering her injury. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe people expected too much of her uh, coming into the season, regardless of her injury. She had such a great season last season, but that was because she was the focal point of the side. There is a more even spread of talent this year. You know, the the likes of Amy West and the likes of Nadine Hansen have kind of grown into their game and have improved themselves. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you've got the additions of Emma Follis, Marissa Ewers, um, Melissa Johnson, etc., 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 and and that has changed the way that Villa are playing a little bit. So for Jody not to necessarily be the focal point of the side anymore, she's still performing at a standard that is, you know, above a lot of people her age in this league, um, and at the same time. You know, she's she's been played out of position a little bit, and she's covered really well for for Charlotte Greengrass, who picked up no, not Charlotte Greengrass, sorry, it was uh, Ella Franklin, who picked up a a really nasty injury a couple of months back. So Jodie's been pay, playing further back, but she's still able to get forward, much like Azmiterale. And you know, maybe you know, in the future we could see Jodie change from being a winger to more of a wing back, uh, but she's still playing at a standard that you know is i would say above par 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think even maybe, you know, you say about the, the um, expectation of last season's successes, um, and they did bring in a lot of players, but, you know, sometimes players love the fact that they're that person that are, that's depended upon, and they're the player that, you know, okay, even though if we're in a little bit of a rut, if we didn't get to the best start, we know we can look towards someone like Jody Hutton. But she doesn't have to be like that anymore. So, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. So maybe the pressure's just taken off her just a little bit, and, and she is embracing the new role and the new positions that she might be playing in throughout the season. So I, it, it's not a bad thing to be versed in different types of positions it's not a bad thing to be a roundsman of sorts and being able to you know play these you know play where and when you when you're called upon you're able to step in and do a job yeah and you know we mentioned Emma Follis uh, just a few minutes ago and she thought that she'd put the game to bed in the 85th minute with a wicked shot that curled deceptively onto the roof of the net but then she made no mistake just two minutes later as she cut inside from the byline and fired past Charlton's goalkeeper. You know, this was a really strong goal and it shows just how good that Emma Follis is. And you know, being a Villa fan, she obviously grew up uh, as part of the, the regional talent centre. I think that she could continue to play her trade at Villa for the long haul. Um, there's bound to be interest in her you know moving on from this season but should Villa get promoted you know if she's has international aspirations I would think that the growing with Aston Villa and continuing with Aston Villa is her best chance in getting into the England setup yeah I think the same thing I've talked to a couple uh, other supporters that that are really really into the Aston Villa women this season and they seem to think that um Emma Follis might might be get poached a little bit like someone you know we're going to get promoted and um you know someone's going to come in with a, a, a bunch of money or a package or you know be able to maybe uh, get her into an international look a little bit but I don't think that's the case man I, th- I really think that Emma sticks around uh, we've seen how good she is and, and you know if we've seen it then other people have also seen how good she is this season so I think she sticks around I don't think it's Something where she's going to make some big move to, you know, try and get her her place in a, in a, a different role or may, maybe somewhere where there's maybe more accolades or anything like that. I think she's comfortable with Villa from what we've seen from her in interviews and such. She looks incredibly happy, so I wouldn't look to really see her move on. You know, even in the event and the probability that Aston Villa get promoted into the Super League. Well, I mean, she took the drop down from the Super League to the Championship to help her childhood could, childhood club get promoted. And at the same time, you know, you, you've got to res- while you've got to respect that, she did say to get Villa promoted. I wouldn't hold it against her if she turned around once Aston Villa women get promoted and said, "Okay, I'm off. I'm, I'm going to play somewhere else." But at the same time, you know, she's a Villa fan. She's enjoying her football. I think she's enjoying the community feeling around the club. So I wouldn't think that she's going anywhere anytime soon. And if she does, it's going to be a big move for her. Yeah, I think it would be a massive move for her. And like you said, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if she did. I just don't see it happening. I think if, you know, if, if Villa get promoted and then, you know, next season it, it, it turns out to be a massive, massive challenge, which it will be, and Villa find themselves mid-table, if she has the opportunity to maybe go to, you know, a more prestigious side in the women's game in England, I can see her making that move. But I, I think it's one of those things that she wants to get the team promoted and then she wants to get a, you know, make sure there's a foothold to keep, keep the team in the league. Um, and I, I think that's just, you know, a part of all being an Aston Villa fan. I mean, we see it on the men's side with Jack Grealish and we're seeing it in the women's side with uh, with Emma Follis now. Absolutely. And just three minutes after Emma's goal, Melissa Johnson, who had come off the bench, slotted coolly under the keeper to type the win in the final minute of the regular 90. And even without being at their best, Aston Villa women had found a way to win relatively comfortably. 
And that's that's really important. You know, you look at the likes of the Arsenal Invincibles in the early 2000s and they found ways to win games. They found ways to draw games where they weren't necessarily at their best. And I saw Villa women are doing the exact same thing. And I mentioned the Arsenal Invincibles because Aston Villa women are now seven league games away from finishing the season as Invincibles. And this is a feat that I think is actually really attainable. I think the biggest test to that is is their next game or the, the game that was called off recently. And that's against Durham women. And I think if they can beat Durham women, it's it's a you know they're on the home run really to uh, finishing the season as Invincibles. And I think that's something that has to be applauded, uh, regardless of whether they make it or not. You know, Gemma Davis has done wonders, but the squad as a whole have done exceptionally well. And you know, it's a team effort. They've they've rotated, um, you know, throughout the season. If they went and finished the the championship season invincible, as well as a Conti Cup quarter final and a fifth round FA Cup finish, you have to think that that is probably the best of the best for, for Villa women. Oh yeah, it has to be, you know, that's, that, that's mission accomplished for the season, uh, to be completely honest about it. And I, I do think they will finish the season, um, unbeaten. Uh, they, they will be able to celebrate as being invincibles. Uh, I also agree with you to the point that Durham's probably going to be their most challenging of their next run of fi- their, uh, final seven games here. Um, I, I know the game was called off for weather reasons, but I was actually like really up for this game. I, I really wanted to see what would happen. Um, so I, I just think that, there's such a sense of community in the squad. And like you said, there's players being rotated in and out. There's not like a stock standard starting 11. There's been injuries. There's been players that may have fallen out of form. Gemma Davies has rotated the side for a couple different reasons, even through the different competitions as well. So I think just with the community and the togetherness that are in the squad, this is a, this is a really, really massive deal. It's, it's not something that should be just looked at like, oh, yeah, they, they went undefeated. That's great. No, this is, this is a great thing for the club, not only just for the Aston Villa women, but Aston Villa in general. Um, it, it's something that you can be proud of it's something you can you know hang your cap on and say you know we we actually did this on the way to a promotion as well is that you know it's absolutely amazing so um i I couldn't be more proud of this team i couldn't be more proud of Gemma davies for making sure that you know this this club is something to be proud about and this team is something that it seems like every time they're going on the pitch they're going out with with pride and purpose for the badge absolutely i can't remember whether uh, another team have, have finished the season unbeaten. I can't remember what uh, Manchester United women did last season. Uh, I think they may have lost one game, and that might have been against Spurs. But I will check that shortly. Um, but you know, you spoke about rotation. You spoke about you know bolstering squad in different areas. And Aston Villa women boss Gemma Davis, obviously last week, uh, bolstered her squad before the final run towards the end of the season, acquiring Austrian international Sophie Meyerhofer following her scholarship with the University of Kansas in the US. The 23-year-old has previously stepped out for Werder Bremen and Icelandic side UMF Selfos, and is capped at a senior level for Austria after representing them at the 2017 UEFA Women's Euros, as well as in a number of Women's World Cup qualification games. You know, she's not necessarily a marquee signing, but she does add a new dynamic to the squad in becoming Aston Villa's first fully-fledged international. Um, you know, most of the squad have played or are currently playing for youth international teams. And, you know, she she's a player that can play in one of two positions. You know, she can either play as a midfielder or a centre-back. And that allows some of the, the more veteran players... Um, Marissa Ewers, Natalie Haig, who can both do the same, they can play in either midfield or defence, to, you know, greater knuckle down on, 
you know what Gemma Davis is asking them to do. You know, there has been games where where Ewers has been seen in midfield, and then the next game she's seen at centre back. So it would you know, it's allowing that kind of flexibility a little bit more. And really, although it's not a signing that perhaps you know gets the mouth watering, it's it's a signing that will benefit Aston Villa women in the long run. No, I I think that's exactly what it is, and I actually think this signing might be a show of the actual scouting that's going on with the Aston Villa women. I mean, yeah, okay, so we all know that um, you know this player is an international, but she went she was going to school. You said at the University of Kansas and everything. That's actually a pretty decent school for for football over here in the states. Um, I, that's just my you know knowledge about with some of the universities we have over here. It's not all just you know basketball or ice hockey or things like that. You know, w- women's football over here is, is is quickly quickly becoming a big deal and has over the past five to seven years or so. So for me personally to see this happen, I think it's, you know really really awesome. Um, going back to the whole depth thing, this might be a preemptive. Uh, signing for next season. This might be something where Gemma Davies identifies that she might need something more of a central defensive mid, and she might have to utilize that against some of the um, uh, more lavish sides that like to splash money and, and like actually have uh, f- players on you know full time, pretty big deal contracts and things like that. So maybe I, I think for me at least from from the knowledge that I gathered that uh, Meyerhofer is going to be one of those players where you're going to see them slide from from a center back position to the central defensive mid. But I could see her playing more central defensive mid only for the event that there is some pretty supreme firepower in the Super League Is there anything more that you could you know tell the listeners about you know scholarships and, and the like with you know uni- United States universities you know I know I know you see it in shows where you know the the, the, the jock I, I suppose is fighting for his NFL scholarship at, at college or whatever but you know for for Sophie Meyerhofer, you know, let's say she was playing in Iceland or she was playing in Germany, how would she go about getting that scholarship or how would the University of Kansas kind of recruit her and what what do you think that would entail? So sometimes it's on both sides of the fence. Sometimes you actually get the university that reaches out to a player that they might see, or in sometimes in most cases, at least most of the cases that I'm familiar with, with some of my friends and, and uh, you know even some of my close relatives that have done this, they'll actually uh, create their own highlights package from games that they play, whether it be at their club or even even like Sunday league games. You can even do it like that, but you kind of make these little clips and stuff about what your skills are like. Um, you know, you include uh, your maybe like your grade point averages, how well you do in school, things like that, some things you spend specialize in maybe off the pitch and then you actually make like a little video package and you send them off to these schools you know seeing if there's any kind of scholarship available and even in the event there's not a scholarship available sometimes they'll be able to give you money just just for your school like even a percentage of it so it might not be a hundred percent full ride scholarship that's what it's commonly known as in the united states it might be like in the 40 to 50 percent range but that makes a massive massive deal when you're when you're actually joining um some of these higher end prestigious footballing academies over here in the united states um you know there's we have so many universities over here that you know I can ramble on and on about it but it's not just in the case of oh hey we want this player you know we'll we'll take this sometimes you have to actually like plead your case you have to put yourself out there a little bit so you know in in this new age of technology um, it's it's more common for players to reach out to universities rather than the other way around but in both cases I mean it's a fantastic opportunity for anybody who gets their foot in the door anywhere in the United States as far as footballing goes because it is on the rise and it's not just something 
system that's you know looked at as you know this sport that it's just not popular here. No, it's getting very very popular here. We're having both you know young boys and young girls that are that are getting really really into it. I see it every uh, you know Sunday, every Saturday and Sunday when I go to the pub for you know to watch football. And there's always you know I'm seeing it more and more and more as the years go on of having you know um, small children come in with their kids and they're all proud and everything like that. I absolutely love seeing it. But yeah, it's a little bit different over here in the states as far as like trying to get set up with the university. I suppose that the the popularity of the sport in the US is down to the personalities, though. You know, you've got the likes of uh, Megan Rapinoe, you've got uh, Alex Morgan, and in the past, you know, Abby Wambach. And these are these players that will inspire the new generations to come forward. You know, England have got the likes of Lucy Bronze and, and players like that, uh, Nikita Paris, that are now playing, you know, Champions League football at um, Olympic Leonai uh, Feminine. I think I've probably butchered that that pronunciation, but you know, it's 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 easier to get people interested in things when you've got these kind of marquee players. Yeah, and it's also just the commonality. I mean, I've I've uh, one one of my friends has a I believe she's eleven years old, and I started talking to her. I noticed that she was just kicking around a soccer ball in the backyard as we're talking about stuff, and I, I looked at her. I was like, I was like, Sophie, do you 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 like you like soccer? And she goes, It's football, Marky. And I was like, okay, okay, you're into it, you're into it. So I started talking to her about that kind of stuff, and I started bringing up some of the U.S. soccer stars on my phone. She's a really big fan of Abby Wambach, so I went and got her an Abby Wambach jersey and everything like that. So, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It really is growing over here. I love seeing it with, you know, regardless if it's male or female that are in the, in the football. But I, I love the fact that the United States team is so dominant, um, you know, obviously, you know, with the World Cup win and everything. And, you know, over and over again, they, it seems like they always prove themselves. They're like, you know, somewhat of an underdog to people outside of the world but they always prove themselves so it's nice to be able to have you know a team like that in the united states for a sport that hasn't been popular over you know the last bunch of years but it it really has it's really starting to take off over here in the past five to six years it's a really beautiful thing to see and you know to to have children get into it as well especially having you know like you said personalities they can look up to and you know have have a respect for have an admiration for and even in most cases they want to emulate that Hopefully, moving forward, you know the women's game in England can can move to match that. Um, let's let's talk about Aston Villa women again, and we we've got to talk about Sean Rogers again. You know, we we've, we've mentioned her a lot in the last couple of episodes, but it's now two hundred and sixty four minutes of football since Sean Rogers had to dig a ball out of the back of her net, and that's a feat that's not easy to come by in a league that's as tough as the uh, FA Women's Championship. You know, the players are always so complimentary about their teammates, um, but more so with Rogers and her abilities. You can't really understate how important she's been to the Aston Villa women this season. Um, there's there's rarely been a high-scoring game for the opposition, if you, if you kind of catch my drift. Yeah, I mean, she's she's been a brick wall back there. I mean, like we just said, 264 minutes of football since she's conceded a goal. I, I mean, if she can if she can keep a clean sheet against uh, you know uh, Durham, that that would be insane. I don't know if they're going to reschedule that game before or after their uh, their next game. I believe their next game is against Coventry United Ladies. So I don't know if that's gonna that's gonna come into play here. But it, just on Rogers' ability alone, it's got to be something to be respected. You got to applaud what she's done, and it's it's not it, the the defense in front of her is good, but. 
you know, even when there's small, you know, defensive breakdown, she's always on the ball. She's always just so locked in, so much concentration. You can see it in her eyes. It, 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 it's really, I think, one of the better players that are that are in Aston Villa's setup right now as, as far as importance and having the passion to, you know, get the job done. And, you know, there are scary goal mouth moments that we've seen over this season where, you know, that ball could have went anywhere and it, you know, jumps over the top of the net or a defender comes to the rescue and clears it. But I, I think there has to be massive, massive respect given to Sean Rogers. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, um, the next game was due to be Durham Women and that was meant to be on Sunday. But it was called off due to Storm Kira. Um, we've, we've already discussed how to pronounce this, this name and there's probably several different ways to pronounce it. So I'm going with what I just said. Um, but you know, it stopped many football matches across the UK, including Man City versus West Ham's men, men's game. Um, Obviously, Durham sits second in the in the table at the moment, five points behind Aston Villa. But uh, the next fixture is set to be the twenty third of February against Coventry United Ladies, and it's a game that you would expect Aston Villa women to win. Um, are you expecting anything different other than an Aston Villa win against Coventry? Uh, not not to disrespect their side or anything, but I just I just think that Aston Villa women, uh, without being as as biased as possible, I think this team is doing something special in the women's championship, and I think they will continue to do that right up until the the full time whistle of the last game of the season. Um, I, I think they're going to go into this game. I, I, a little fired up for the fact that they didn't get their game out of the way that they were they were trying to play. So now you know you have this little bit of an extended period of time to think about and to, you know to get prepared for for the next challenge. So I think they're going to come out. I think it's going to be another thing they come out the blocks and you know it's full systems go. And I, I think that you know get an early goal, you know get get a couple more to round it out, put in a solid defensive performance, and it, it'll be a, you know pretty much what we expect from the Aston Villa women. And that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast. If you've enjoyed it, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, Tune in more regularly if this is the first time that you've listened. Leave us a review if you did enjoy it. We'd always like to hear more information about how you perceive our content. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at VillaLamp. You can follow us on Instagram at UnderAGaslitLamp and on Facebook forward slash UnderAGaslitLamp. As always, thank you so much for listening. And up the Villa women.